It's so wonderful to be with you all, and especially during this time. And, you know, every day is really blessed. Every day of our calendar, every time we spend together and we spend in prayer and we spend reflecting on God's love and God's victory is wonderful. But during this time in particular, during Lent, the church tends to have a particular focus on, on this spiritual journey and what it means for us. And during this time in particular, we have a focus personally and collaboratively on our journey. As you know, during the course of this Lent, we've had a, a series that we've had you know, running on Wednesdays, which is the journey through the wilderness. And we've had you know, time to reflect over the past weeks. We've got two weeks to go. And this falls in line with it. What does it mean? You know, the wilderness is such powerful imagery. But what does it actually mean? Wilderness is, is a place of fear and anxiety because um, it's an unknown. It's an arid, wide, vast space. So if you don't know what it is or what you're doing, then you could get very lost. The wilderness is a very lonely place because it is vast. And even if you are a group going through the wilderness, you may feel that you're completely alone and unsupported. It's frightening because you don't know where the danger is coming from. But it's also, if we look at uh, the context of the children of Israel and the journey through the wilderness, it is a place of hope. It's a place of promise. The wilderness in their lives, in their journey, was a means to an end. It quite literally was a space through which they had to journey to get to the promised land. And so what we also need to realize is when we're going through our lives and there are challenges and there are conflicts and there are difficulties, the wilderness is sometimes just a means to an end. And it is always just a temporary place. Why do we know this? Because we know God's heart for us and his love for us. And he doesn't want us to be wandering around aimlessly forever. You know what the greatest indication of that is? <clears throat> and you may find this a little bit strange. It's the fact that we die. You think, hang on, we're talking about nice things here. Why are you talking about dying? But the fact that we die is the greatest indication of God's love for us. It's because our lives on this earth were never meant to be permanent. This was also a means to an end, a transient journey, so that we could get to his eternal promised land, the kingdom. And so the fact that our lives come to an end here is the greatest indication that God never ever wants us to be permanently estranged or distant from him or away from him. He actually wants us to be with him. He wants to embrace us and he wants to accept us to himself. I want to share 
a passage from the book of Exodus chapter 13. If you have your devices, feel free to open them up. Exodus, oh, and some people actually have Bibles. Thank you. I'm so glad someone still carries an actual Bible. Um, Exodus chapter 13, starting from verse 17. We'll go through this slowly, and we'll see what this leads us to. We read, Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near. God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So there are two components here, or three components. The first thing is that Pharaoh had let the people go, finally, finally, after the plagues, after the toing and froing, after changing his mind. Finally, he said, okay, just leave, leave. Although it was a great loss to Pharaoh, he, he, he lost his working class. He lost his laborers. He lost his strength. He lost his infrastructure. And yet, because of the plagues and because of the challenges, he said, "Just you know what, just go. I don't want you anymore. Just go. What does it tell us about our journey? Satan will try over and over and over again to keep us in his control. Over and over. And God keeps sending things and saying, no, you can't have them. No, you can't have him. No, you can't have her. No, he's mine. She's mine. They're mine. And he will keep, continue to try and try and try. And at one stage, Satan will just say, you know what, just go. Just go. You want, you want a chance? Just go. Now, of course, it doesn't mean he won't change his mind, because as we know from this very account, Pharaoh let them go, but then he chased them down, trying to bring them back. And the nice end to the story is he was defeated. So even if after Satan lets us go, and he goes to chase us down, we are still in the hands of mighty God. So realize that Satan will never, ever always hold on to us. At some stage, at some stage, we will break free of those bonds. But there's an interesting bit here. God led them through the wilderness, but he didn't want to lead them by the way of the Philistines. Because that was going to be a, although it was shorter, it was problematic. They were going to see wars. They were going to have challenges. So he wanted to take them on, on, on a more potentially difficult way, but way that would open them up to less desire to go back. See, again, in our challenge, even though Satan lets us go sometimes, we will face obstacles. And sometimes at the first sign of an obstacle, we turn back. Remember when they were standing, uh, complaining to Moses, oh, you know, where were the days of Egypt with the pots of meat and the bread? For heaven's sake, you were slaves. You were subjugated. You had no rights. And now you're thinking about the pots of meat and the bread? The pots of meat and the bread were there for a reason. 
you were fed, you were nourished, because you were the muscles of the operation. You had to work. Nourishment wasn't for you. The nourishment was for whatever Pharaoh wanted to do. So sometimes going through this life, we see good things coming to us, or what we perceive to be good things. And then when we start to pursue God's path, we're deprived of those things. The wealth, the celebrity, the fame, the popularity. You think, but hang on, don't you realize those were just a means to an end? It was never about you. It was about what Satan wanted to fulfill, about what Pharaoh wants to fulfill. But God knows our weakness, and he knows that sometimes at the first hurdle, at the first obstacle, we'll turn back and say, no, no, the hell you know. Right? I'll go back because it's familiar, because it's known, because it's safe. And I understand it. You know, sometimes you understand subjugation and servitude. And so you, you want to stay there while you are actually given an opportunity to freedom, to independence. Lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Don't be too hard on yourself if on your journey through the wilderness you start to think about going back. It's not the best approach. It's not what we want. But it is a possibility. So don't be too hard on yourself when you feel like sometimes you want to go back. It's part of the journey. How many of us have started a hike and gone a little bit of the way and think, what on God's earth am I doing here? What am I doing here? Right? It's just, no. This was... Who goes on a hike on a weekend, for heaven's sake? That's supposed to be... Are there any avid hikers out here? I don't want to be offending anyone. Yeah, I would have thought that. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me in the, in the least. But you know what? When you're supposed to put your feet up and enjoy yourself and you, you go hiking, to each their own. But anyway, who's been on that sort of situation of hiking? You go a few steps in or a mile and you think, what am I doing here? I'm going to go back. Yeah, it's less healthy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be as strong out of it. I'm not going to experience nature. I'm not going to be liberated. But you know what? A warm bed isn't such a bad idea at this time of the morning. But then you push through that and you continue and you enjoy the journey. And likewise with so many things, decisions you need to make, steps you need to take in your life, where it just, the first few steps are difficult and problematic and you think, ah, I want to go back. But this is where you keep remembering the wilderness. The wilderness is a channel. You start from point A and you go to point B. Point B is the promised land. It is salvation. Unless we go through that channel and keep moving forward, we don't get there. So always think of the need to continue to go forward. But then we see that God doesn't leave his children. And we're talking about now where 
this journey takes them. And they're skirting around the edge of the wilderness and it becomes frightening. It's unfamiliar space. Don't forget the Israelites, some of them have been born into captivity and don't know what freedom means. Maybe they don't know what the wilderness is. They haven't lived in the wilderness. You know, when, when you have a domesticated animal, you can't just take that animal and let it loose in the wild. It doesn't know how to fend for itself. It doesn't know how to survive. So when we are born into captivity sometimes, we don't know what to do with freedom. And we need to be guided and directed. Almost need to be rehabilitated. To be able to use our freedom properly. And to be able to get where God wants us to be. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So that's to go by day and by night. God doesn't just send us out there and say, fine, journey through the wilderness, go. Now, in this situation, they had the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. During the day, nice bright day out there, you can see clouds. They go before you. They're soft and they're fluffy and they're warm and, you know, you can make shapes out of them and you can, you know, just, it's nice, nice journey. Which is fine because sometimes through our journey, they're going to be nice, bright, sunny days where we have time to reflect on the fluffy clouds and follow them reflectively. But then there are dark times through the journey. There are dark times, scary times, at night when it's dark and it's cold and you start to hear the, the howling animals from a distance. That's when you need greater leadership. That's when you need the pillar of fire. And I've always imagined this, you know, if you've ever sat around the bonfire and you've started, you've started the fire up, it has that lovely crackling sound, nice and soothing. But have you ever heard or seen flames that are propelled by air when you give them more oxygen? What happens? They become fierce. It actually becomes loud and frightening. So the pillar of fire served various purposes. The first is that it could be seen in the dark at night. You cannot mistake it. And you know what? There's nothing warm and fluffy about this one. This is a blazing fire that is going before you. Secondly, it gives you heat. It keeps you warm. And the closer you are to it, the warmer you get through your journey. And this is also what God does with us. He gives us that clear purpose and that, that guidance. Then the closer we stay to him, the warmer and more protected we feel. And of course, it's that fire, that, that sound. What's the purpose of that sound? You know that if, if you go into the wilderness, one of the greatest ways to fend off wild animals is with fire. So it also propels threat. Careful, everyone. Careful, creation. 
Kefir wilderness, my people are coming through. They're behind me. Get out of their way. No space for obstacles here. No space for challenges. I am quite literally blazing the path before them. And it gives us that understanding that we are protected and we are safe. That's nice vision, right? It's nice imagery. What does that really mean for us? In our journeys now, of course, we have our struggles with our faith and temptation and wanting to go back from our own wilderness, our own arid space. We don't just have a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire. We have the way, the truth, and the light before us. We are not merely following inanimate objects. We are following the incarnate word himself. He becomes our constant pillar of cloud. He becomes our constant pillar of fire, guiding us through good and bad, day and night. He becomes the one after whom we journey and on whom our eyes continue to look. And he's there. How many times has he said, follow me, follow me? Yes, you know, we we have this wonderful image of leadership now where you lead from the middle, right? You lead from the middle. That's a great thing to be. And I I love doing that because you lead from the middle, you take people with you. But actually, when you're going through the wilderness, sometimes you need to lead from the front. And that's what our Lord does. Not only does he become this guiding light, quite literally, the light of the world, but he also blazes the path before us. He separates. Just as the sea was separated, the waters were separated for the children of Israel, so too does the sea of this world the challenge of this world, the threat of suffocation and drowning, it's parted. It goes, and a path is prepared for us. And so during that time, we remember that we're not alone. Our journey is never, ever alone. Our journey is never, ever in isolation. That's why our Lord is our hope in that journey. That's why our Lord is our hope during the daylight and in the nighttime. And he will guide us appropriately with whatever level of strength. If he wants us to have warm, reflective times like today, he will be the pillar of cloud in the midst of peace. But let's also keep our eye on him and continue to follow him. But then at the darker times when there is risk and there is fear, He will continue to be the pillar of fire that blazes, guides, warms, and expels risk and threat before us. There's one little line that people sometimes miss. We read that, and the Lord went before them by day, in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. 
few words after that, that this will usually where we end up thinking, wow, great imagery, we stop reading. What does it say after that? So as to go by day and night. Don't ever stop journeying. Don't just stop. Don't just set up camp and stay there. Keep moving. Keep moving towards your goal. Keep moving towards the end. Keep following. And you know what? You're never left to just go on your own. You are guided and directed and accompanied. Verse 22 says, He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And that takes us back to, I will not leave you or abandon you. No matter how long the journey, I will not take away your pillar of cloud or your pillar of fire. Because I know that without them, you'll be lost. I know without them, you won't find your way. And my goal, says God, my goal is never ever to have you wander around in a wilderness indefinitely. Because I just want you to get through the wilderness so you can come to me. I want you to go through the wilderness so you can reach me finally. I want you to go through the wilderness because I know that it is a frightening place. And although I guide you and protect you through it, I still want you to make it through. It was never ever meant to be a place of your abiding. It was meant to be a place of journey. But of course there's another thing if we're talking about this. And that is the nature of the journey itself, which leads to a wonderful victorious end. Just as the children of Israel enter the promised land, we are promised everlasting life. But it's not just about cashing in. You know, it's not about, oh, I've done good deeds. Here it is. I am now entitled to get into the kingdom. We are never entitled. This is given to us as a gift. It's given to us as a grace. Yes, of course, we must do things. We must, we must live the life, make choices. But it's a gift that we could never ever earn on our own, regardless of how much righteousness we live. That is what tops it up and that is what allows us to enter. This gathering is important because if you notice, our Lord did not usher the children of Israel one by one through the wilderness. It was never just a personal journey. It was a journey of a people. It was a collaborative journey. It was a journey guided. And so what we need to do is realize that as we journey, we need to be supporting each other. We need to be journeying together. You know, at the time they took the young and the old and even the cattle. I'm assuming you don't have cattle. So you have to cope with each other. But that's what it means. It means to journey together and to support one another and to love one another. 
and to give your lives for another. And by the way, it doesn't just mean turning up today. I want you to think of how many young people in your age group we have. And not just how many people are here, but how many people are not here. How many people are not on this journey with you, with us? How many people think they're journeying alone and don't realize they have a support structure? How many people don't even recognize the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire before them? How many people don't recognize the light of the world before them? Of course, it's about my personal journey and my personal salvation. There is no doubt. I've I've used before the imagery with you of being on a plane and having those oxygen masks fall from, from the roof of the plane, right? Put your own oxygen mask on first. So you accommodate to help others because if you pass out, you're not helping anybody. So this journey, yes, is a personal journey. Look after yourself. Make sure you're functioning. Make sure you're breathing. Make sure you're conscious. Because if you're not conscious, you're not good to anyone, yourself or anybody else. Of course, it's a personal journey. But then we take others with us. We help others. The stragglers. The ones who are running too fast and they're going to run out of energy. The ones who lose hope and then realize that they just don't know where they're going anymore. The ones that look very confident, but inside are lacking confidence and lacking fellowship. The ones who always have the answers, but actually don't. The ones who seem that they are spiritually incredibly sound, but underneath are struggling like everybody else. As well as those who are genuinely struggling, look like they're struggling, dragging behind. But we need to keep an eye on each other through this journey. Because while the promised land is about me, it's about us. It's about all of us having a heart for each other. It's about all of us feeling each other's pain and struggle and challenge. So what does account in these very few verses tells us is this. At some stage, we can break free of the bonds of Satan and sin. And that then starts a journey. That journey is just a journey. No matter how long the struggle seems to be, it will come to an end. And understand that because you know what? If I'm in that space and I think it's never going to come to an end, I feel burdened by it and I feel overwhelmed and I feel that I have been defeated. And so I then stop trying. As you're journeying, recognize the fear, recognize the isolation, recognize the challenge, but know that you are led through the incarnate word, through our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the beauty is, while they were led by the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire that were in front of them, we are led by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, who is not only in front of us, but is also within us. So we not only have a path to follow, we have a guidance system inside us that is drawn to the kingdom. 
and we need to let that continue to function. We need to remember that as we journey, we look around us. Besides looking in front of us and being encouraged by the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire, we look around us at the cloud of angels, at the cloud of the faithful, at our sisters and brothers. We look forward towards the church victorious, those who have proceeded. We look around us to the church struggling that is still going through this journey and looking towards the kingdom of God. And in that, we are assured of a wonderful journey. Challenging, difficult, frightening at times. But we know that it's wonderful, not because of what it is, but because of what it leads us to. You know, we all have this wonderful saying of, the journey is the destination, right? Not in this case. The journey is just a journey. The destination is wonderful, beautiful, awesome, desirable, light, life, forever. Enjoy the journey. Work your way through it. Be encouraged through it. Encourage others. But keep your eye on the promised land, knowing that the wilderness is a place that we journey through, not a place that we live in forever. And glory be to God forever.